Welcome to Sam's Business Growth Show. I'm Sam Dunning, a digital marketing, sales, and business growth evangelist. Tune in and subscribe today as I'll be interviewing business leaders, experts, and entrepreneurs from around the globe. You'll be learning their story, how digital marketing has helped them along the way, and exclusive tips and insights to help you skyrocket your own business. Welcome back to the show. I'm truly excited to have joining me today, David Walter. David's claim to fame came from setting a record whopping 15 appointments a day, every day for six months through just cold calling. David is the author of Amazon number one bestseller, The Million Dollar Rebuttal. David believes cold calling is not a numbers game. He's helped some of the largest IT firms generate absolute millions in revenue. David, lovely to have you on the show. How are you doing, man? Uh, wonderful. You're in San Antonio. And uh, when you reached out to me, I looked you up and I was like, man, this guy's on fire. Uh, he's already <laughs> got uh, the daily sales, which is like huge on LinkedIn, uh, on your show. And uh, of course, Brandon uh, Bonichet, Seamless AI and a bunch of other stuff uh, just recently started and you're blowing up, man. So I'm glad to, glad to be here. Really appreciate it, dude. And it's a pleasure to have you on the show. So David, there's plenty of ground we want to cover today. We would love to learn um, your key story. So some of the key roles that you've had along the last few years up to building up your own business and the highs and lows during it and what you've learned along the way there. We'd love to learn your key business growth tips, any digital marketing strategies that you recommend to everyone tuning in. But yeah, if we could start from the top, it'd be great to learn some of the, some of the main business roles that you've had in terms of where you grew up, how you got into the business world. So if you could guide us through your journey so far, David, that would be much appreciated, sir. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, I try to do something different in every podcast. And one thing awesome. I haven't really talked about, I've referenced starting my own IT company. Um, when I set those 15 appointments a day, I was working for CSI, which was a uh, employee leasing company. Um, where, where they become, they own the payroll um, and the employee works for them on paper. I don't know if you've heard, there's a lot of big companies that do it now. Uh, okay. It's staff no. leasing, called staff leasing. Now it's employee leasing and uh, there's some big companies in the, in the space now, but it was a hard concept, but I went from doing that and um, the company that the guy that owned that company, he left, started his own company and recruited me. And then when I was working for that company, I saw the, the planes fly into the, to the towers and oh, wow. liquidated. I mean, literally within weeks. It looked at me. Okay. Yeah. So that was, and, that was a pretty shocking time. Yeah, we were watching TV and Lily watched the first one and then the second one. And within weeks, you know, everything shut down and uh, he was out of business. And so sometimes they say that the best time to start a business is in a recession. And uh, that's when I started my cold calling company. Um, Got it. Okay. Before I had wrote the, um, wrote the book. <clears throat> and that's kind of what a lot of the between setting all those appointments and then realizing I had a skill with telemarketing and then starting my own telemarketing company was right in that time. Um, when I got my severance pay, uh, the owner asked me, what are you gonna do? And I said, you know what, I'm gonna start my own telemarketing company. And he said, well, call me. Uh, Cause he was a millionaire, owned lots of companies. And sure. he, owned, okay. he owned an IT company and he said, that guy called me a week later and wanted me to do telemarketing for him. And that was my first contract. Awesome, okay. So you went from quite a big crisis to kind of flipping that in your favor and starting your own business, sounds like. Yep. Excellent, uh, man. So. Uh, Kind of a big lesson, you know, on that, that process of starting my own company. Um, 
really not a lot of problems when I was doing it myself. I started as my own, you know, telemarketer, working from home and managed sure. three or four accounts pretty easily. Uh, but just got it in me that I want to grow big. And so yeah. I moved from a small town in Texas to San Antonio and got an office and started growing the company, looking for processes and everything to just grow this big telemarketing company, uh, mainly working on for IT companies was my, I guess I got into that early. And so, um, I targeted that, but the and same, how long ago was this, David, how, how old were you then? And how long ago did this take place? Oh, this is about 20 years ago, 20, 25 years ago. Cool. Okay. Uh, you know, still a young man in my uh, late, uh, late twenties. And, uh, but, uh, you know, it was fun. I enjoyed it. It's fun thing is I enjoy telemarketing, but, uh, the interesting part starts once I got a little bit bigger and started hiring people. I started to learn a lot of the, because at that, at that time, about five years later, you really start to hear a lot of negative stuff about cold call. There's sure. starting to be a lot of people. Still do today. Work. Yeah. It doesn't work. Uh, cold calling's dead, you know? And I was like, man, I'm, my business is thriving. You know, cold calling is work. <laughs> but um, there was a lot of lessons I learned in that, that time period when you grow. Yeah, it'd be great. It'd be awesome to kind of learn. Obviously, you've said you've taken it from just a one-man biz to starting to scale up and employ staff. And yeah, it'd be great to learn how you were able to do that, the lessons you learned along the way, and what made you a successful business at what you did. One of the first things I did was trying to hire telemarketers is difficult. (laughs) I can imagine. Yeah. And so it's difficult. And but what I realized, I hear people all the time say they can't find salespeople. They can't hire telemarketers. And um, when I look at it, I say, well, what are you offering them? And so I started offering them, you know, pay by appointment, you know, contract basis. And what I got was the bottom of the barrel. The people that were willing to work in those circumstances weren't the most qualified. And eventually I, I went to a per hour, you know, uh, work for me model. Uh, and I started getting better people. And then basically the more I offered and the more incentives I offered, the better quality people came. And so that's a powerful lesson, whether you're looking okay. for salespeople or telemarketers, ask yourself, what are you, what are you offering, right? If you're offering them peanuts, what are you going to get? Low-level people. Top people know what they're worth. Do you agree? Yeah, I mean, I would say it's, it's tricky, David. I mean, at, at WebTruce here where we are, um, one of the, the most difficult tasks we've had over the years is hiring really good sales guys because I'm sure you found the same that salespeople can absolutely blow the interview out of the water. So they'll give it the biggest hype. They'll sound like possibly the best sales professional in the world when it comes to the interview. A couple months later, when it comes to the crunch, you look at their figures, they're not hitting target. They're not making the calls. They're not doing the social activity, the email activity. It's like, what happened? The interview was ace. And now it's come to the actual crunch and you're not hitting target. You're barely doing anything. Like, where was the guy we saw in the interview, man? And we've had that so many times over the years. That's why we've kept quite a lean team. So I'm sure you've gone through that as well, man. Absolutely. In fact, that's the key to what I want to get to later on. We're going to talk zero sure thing. right on that point about <laughs> salespeople being super hard to find. But um, so what, that's what I realized, though, is I pay more. I get better quality people. Got but it. Um, I, I really learned that, and this is something I talk about in my book, I really learned that it's still hard. When you're, when you're cold calling Typically, you want to talk to a C-level or decision maker, right? Of course. It's difficult to be uh, like a high school kid or just a novice or someone who's never had any business experience to really have 
a call at that level with that person. And so that's why I realized it takes a salesperson to be effective at cold calling your business to business. And that's why I was, because I was basically a salesman my whole life. Uh, even sure. as a kid, I was a salesman. And that's why when I got into telemarketing, I was really successful because I spoke at the level. You know, I had ran, a, I ran my own small businesses as a kid. Uh, lawn business, I had like 10 people working for me when I was a kid. <laughs> so I understood business. And uh, I could speak at their level. And that's the big, that's one of the things is you can really be more effective if you train your salespeople to do cold calling than trying to have a cold calling team of people, you know. Um, but there's all kinds of ways you can slice it. But that's what I really learned is that it was hard to find uh, telemarketers and train them at my level. And training uh, salespeople would be far better, but they don't want to do it. They don't want to do it. And that's, that's um, so true. Important. So true. More yeah. so now with, with so many distractions, especially with digital as it is and, and LinkedIn for sales professionals, it's, it's a bit of a minefield, isn't it? Plus, um, yeah, we can, we can dive into that a bit more shortly. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, like we we're saying, it's, it is difficult to hire salespeople. So it would be great for any business owners listening on the, your best strategies to hire the ultimate sales pros and make your business a success. But it would be, just before we get to that, it would be great to learn how you scaled up your business. What, what were the next steps that you took when you started hiring people and how you, how you grew yeah. it along the way? Yeah, what I, really, what I realized was I kind of embraced the idea that it was gonna be a, I was going to be firing, hiring, firing on a continual basis. Okay. And so what I realized is I had to broadcast my training. And so I created training videos and just started doing seminars and bringing people on and trying to train them a little bit and see if they would be, you know, do some of the basic stuff and, and bring out those few people and then give them more training. So basically it was about training, uh, is realizing I was a training organization. My job, my main skill set was to train telemarketers, right? And um, really any business should take a lesson from that. If you're uh, you got a, mainly a sales organization, are you embracing sales training? And are you training every aspect of everything that you do and rehearsing it and like the military rehearses strategy until you become perfect at it? And most companies don't do that. They don't really take the training. I was going to say, most, most companies sales training is a couple hours, watch this video or get straight on the phones or read this book or read this blog article. I mean, I, I could probably count on one finger the amount of hours of sales training that I had at most of my jobs. <laughs> exactly. I mean, reading books is good. Uh, when I do sales training, I have everybody read several books. I kind of win friends and influence people because my book kind of is like dovetailed with that book. A lot of the okay. principles dovetail right into that book. Nice, uh, man. Friends, sales people. Um, but I say that, you know, I, and we'll talk about the key. That's one thing we can talk about is one of the key traits. Excellent. Hiring yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, we'll find out. It's a secret I can give away here on the show. It's one thing you can look for and weed out everybody and have like the last three people and say, okay, it's between these three people. These are my three best prospects. Fantastic. But, uh, but training is um, kind of, it's all encompassing. I mean, you show, uh, I mean, I work for a lot of telemarketing companies where the, the, the manager would beat his chest, say, I'm the best in the world. You should set more appointments. <laughs> but we never once seen him on the phone, right? Ooh, one of those. Yeah. Yeah, one of those. From history, the best leaders and generals like uh, um, Alexander the Great, he led his generals. He was out front fighting with them. And it, good training is somebody, you have to have somebody that knows what they're doing, show them how to do it, make the calls. 
And that's why you see on my ClickFunnels page, my million dollar rebuttal backslash free hyphen book, I have a section where I'm coaching somebody and making the calls with them. And you can see, they can see me do it and they can believe that it works. That's one component that they don't have in training. Fantastic. And would you say that's key, David? So any, any training that you're giving to your team, you need to be, or at least the managers within your company need to be leading from the front and showing you exactly how it's done. Yeah. When I worked at MBNA America Bank, um, all the managers, we did telemarketing for credit cards. Uh, MBNA America America Bank got bought out by uh, B of A, but it was the largest, they had one of the largest call centers uh, before the do not call list hit. They had one of the largest call centers. And what I thought was so amazing was that our managers that would manage a team of, say, 20 people, uh, on the weekends, on Saturday, they had to make their own calls. So I would go in. You could go in for extra time on Saturday. Um, Because it was all about – we got paid bonuses based on how many appointments we got versus how many hours we worked, right? So we would go in Saturday, work for free, not even clock in and get an extra four or five credit card apps to beef up our ratio, right? But I would go in, and I would see the, all of my managers there. They were all co-calling and telemarketing. And I thought, man, they're leading by example. You know, love they that. Really, them. really love that. Absolutely. It's, it's still not something you see that much today, in my opinion. Yeah, because people don't want to – They don't. They, it's a loathsome task. And, you know, they, they call it – they put the telemarketers in the basement. They're the redheaded stepchild in the basement. <laughs> <laughs> But telemarketing yeah. actually takes sales skills. That's one thing. It, it, you should pay telemarketers well. Hire pre-sales people. In other words, the people doing telemarketing ought to be your next salespeople. That's a big lesson I learned. And you start cycling them through. That's how you find good salespeople is they can sell on the phone and they're presentable, right? So they could be client-facing and then boom, sure. you move them in like that. So we should change that idea, that notion that cold calling is is something for um, people in the basement uh, or anything like that. And it should be brought out into the light and it should be something that's seen as an integral part because that's your first step. Your first impression is that person on the phone and telling the truth, representing the company correctly, building rapport, complimenting and all that sets the tone for success. I, yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that, David. I, I mean, I, I must be honest, I've never worked in massive organizations so I've never been in an organization where you have the SDR, then you have the kind of A, the account executive, then you perhaps have a client success manager and so on and so forth with all these tiers. I've always been prospecting myself, working customers through the sales funnel myself, being the account manager and so managing the full size sales cycle end to end, which I believe all sales reps should be confident in. So yeah, that's something I'm quite a strong believer. So I really love that. I really love the fact that you're saying that anyone in sales should be a, should be an effective communicator and getting them on the phone is one of the best ways and one of the quickest ways to get their communication skills on point. So oh, for yeah. any business owners listening, I'd say that's a really, really good golden nugget and yeah, a, and a well, nice piece well, of advice. What I'll tell them, the other thing is the attitude about cold calling. In other words, they don't want to do it, but my system is one where it's, it's, it, it takes uh, the concepts of um, kind of, kind of the, the industrial uh, revolution. The, the idea of specifically doing this and this and that. And I find that idea, it's not coming to me right now, but I forget what it, I've talked about in my book, but uh, you're only going to work on this and you're only going to work on that. Uh, division of labor uh, okay. is a lost art. It's a lost art in businesses. They tend to try to give everybody 10 different tasks. And so I teach people how to divide the labor and the salesman 
is not the qualifier. He's not the this. He's not the that. He comes in at the last step to highly, highly qualified leads and spends a few hours on it a week getting appointments set, right? In other words, it's something it's done right. They can manage a couple of hours a week and make sales calls and follow-up calls the rest of the time, right? That's tell, tell salespeople don't want to be doing dialing for numbers, right? It's a numbers game sitting there a hundred every day, making hundreds of calls. That's what they don't want. And they don't need to do that. And that's, that's one thing I talk about in my book is that if you understand that it's not a numbers game, right? Yeah. So what is it, David? We said that right at the start on your intro. So you mentioned cold calling is not a numbers game. What if it's not, what is it exactly? If you can give us, I, yeah. I know it might be quite hard to go into detail now, but if you can give us a quick snapshot. Yeah. And so basically what you want to do is a uh, pursuit of happiness. There's a clip of the movie where he literally uh, is calling on a sheet from bottom to the top, bottom to the top. And he okay. realizes that he's, cause he comes in late and leaves early. He's not getting all the way to the top. And so he skips. If you've watched that movie, pursuit of happiness, Will Smith. Yeah. Yeah. Great film. All the Emotional way to the top. Film, but really good. Yeah. He skips all the way to the top, makes that call at, a, at random, talks to Walter Ribbon, sets an appointment, ends up going to the game, ends up meeting a bunch of people at the game that all end up buying policies from him, right? All from random. In other words, making consecutive calls, calling number 100, number two, one to 100 in order, consecutive order, is, quote, the numbers game I'm talking about. And what happens is when I call number one, and I call all the way to 20, I get not ins. But because the okay. nature of life and business is dynamic, in other words, you're on a podcast. If sure. we call for you, you couldn't talk to us. Uh, Sam is on a podcast. You can't. <laughs> so I, I skip you and I move on. I call the 100. Well, what happens an hour later is you're not on the podcast anymore. You're doing some research at your desk, and I could reach you if I called back. And so that's the concept of it not being a numbers game is you cycle through, you cycle through and you call a fewer num names that are highly qualified. So we knew everything about you. We knew you're the decision maker. We had people calling and qualifying all that information. And I have 30, 40 names and I call through those names several times a day. And that's how uh, I, okay. yeah, that's how I got so, 40 contacts a day to get 15 appointments, 40 contacts every day to get 15 appointments. So that's and why can, it's not a numbers game. Can you just clarify how you did the qualification part again, David, just so that's crystal clear for anyone listening. So the, well, you said you cycled uh, through. Yeah, it's in my book. I talk more about okay. that. I don't give all the secrets away. <laughs> no, fair enough, fair enough. But I say that qualifying, if you learn how to qualify leads, that is that you could double your contacts just by doing that. Double your contacts. Nobody does it. I was coaching a company in Plano. And I spent weeks coaching them and rehearsing and everything and teaching them. We got them on the phones because when I do training, I, I, I don't just train and leave. I put them on the phones to see how they're doing. Then we do training again. We put them on the phones. We go back and forth. you got to have people train in real time, real world experience. Uh, but when I put them on the phone the first time, we were there for four or five hours and they didn't make one contact. Oh, man. Not one contact. And I realized – I looked at the list and what they had done is bought the list from, you know, info USA or whatever out there and just take and import that list right into their CRM and let them start calling. And they were calling bad numbers, wrong numbers. The, the name of the person they're asking is not with the company anymore. Companies closed, you know, and that's what they were getting all day long. 
and all of that should have been weeded out by qualifying. You follow that? Imagine having your salesman there, making all, spending four hours not making one contact. That's why terrible, salespeople don't terrible waste of time. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly. So if you're smart, you have an administrator. You could have anybody other than the salesman call through that list first several times and weed it down to some really good contacts, and then have the salesman sit there for an hour or two and contact those people. Excellent. But call throughout okay. the week. Yeah, they could even bring the list when they're making sales calls. They stop on a break and call some of the people again back. Because basically, yeah, if you call people, most people are afraid to call a list, uh, a name like Sam, three times a day for three days. They're afraid of that. They think they're gonna burn it out. But as long as you don't leave voicemails, you, you don't leave fingerprints. And people will remember okay. you uh, until you call for four or five days. If you call three times a day, four or five days, so they're gonna be like, hey, you called before. <laughs> <laughs> You've been calling here a lot. But they get so many calls, you can slip right in under that if you call three times a day for three days. And think about it. If you call one time in a week, what's your odds of catching a decision maker? One time in a week? Well, if one in five. Times, <laughs> what are my odds of catching a decision maker? In five days? One in, yeah. <laughs> one in five. It dramatically increases. It's like you know having one ticket to the lottery or having 100 tickets to the lottery, right? Yeah, that's it. Yeah. So Okay. That idea, the numbers game works. The idea of a numbers game being consecutively calling doesn't work. And it's a failed idea. Uh, but it, but it, I, that doesn't work unless you qualify. Th those cool, are some man. big lessons there in my book. But uh, I like that. No, I, think that's, I think that's a great tip. I think that's a great tip in terms of getting someone to basically work through the data, identify it all, and then get your actual sales reps calling the, the best of the best once, once it's qualified and working from there. Awesome, man. Okay. Well, yeah, it'd be good to... So did, is this is this business uh, one that you're still running, David, or is this something that you did you eventually move on to do something slightly different? Or is this I, still... train, I, I took all my lessons to train people. Um, okay. It doesn't work. Hiring outside companies to do telemarketing, I realized, is not the best way to do it, uh, which is why I ended up closing down my company and realizing that training salespeople is a better way to do that. Okay. Uh, people that are hired, they don't have a uh, – uh, what I'm thinking about is – they don't have the money and the resources that the company themselves has to, to pay. They don't have the, uh, the, I guess, the opportunity to move up in a company. If you're hired in a telemarketing company, where are you going to go from there? Yeah, good point. There's nowhere to go. Yeah. <laughs> so the idea is that, that you can bring people into a company uh, that has more money. The company themselves has more money to pay them than to pay the telemarketing agent and all the fees and the management la layer in that company just to pay more to the rep themselves. Does that make sense? Yeah. Then they can yeah, it does to bring yeah. in a more qualified person, but then they have the ability to move them through the company into other positions. And even that will give you incentive to hire a better qualified person. In other words, if you were going to have me work for you and then I, and I, and I knew it's a dead end job just to be a telemarketer. Well, why would I want to do that? Even if the pay's good. But if you sure. said, uh, Dave, Hey, uh, you could become a, a, a marketing manager. You could become a sales director. You could become, uh, management this department, that department, and you can lure me in with the hope that I can rise more up longevity. Exactly. So then you can get more people. So that's some of the reasons, a lot of reasons why it works better. Uh, and what I found is that whenever they outsource it, they expect the world of the outsource company. They expect perfection. But <laughs> whenever they have their own people doing it, they have more realistic expectations. You know what I'm talking about? 
And that's, yeah, I think so, yeah. that's huge uh, is okay. having realistic expectations. You know, when you outsource it, you expect every appointment to be good and no cancellations and, you know, all this stuff. And it's nearly impossible to do that, right? Uh, when you have your own people, you're not going to fire them because one of the appointments closed. Cancel. <laughs> <You> <laughs> well, know? you'd hope they wouldn't. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, but, but people, when they outsource it, just one appointment cancels, and they're like, let's have a conference call. We, this is not working. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what I tell yeah, people? Yeah. I, would, I would make jokes and be like, uh, even Michael Jordan lost some games. <laughs> you can't this be perfect. Yeah, you can't, you can't set <laughs> endless numbers of appointments and they're all perfect every time. The idea is that the majority be good. Uh, but the point is that, is that people tend to look, be more realistic when they're dealing with their own staff than outsourced staff. That's huge. Okay. And the other point is, this is, this is a good lesson, I think, is for the people that are really skeptical about telemarketing, um, yes, it's true that if you, hire, if you hire bad quality people, right, and you have terrible incentives, and you have no quality control, their impulse will be to make as much money they can and set bogus appointments. And these type of people have, they don't have, they have short-term vision, right? I mean, if I set 10 bogus appointments and, I, and then the sales rep runs them and comes back to the manager and says, this guy said, never said, he, he never set the meeting. He never, this guy never got a call from anybody and he doesn't know why I'm there. You know, how long will that rep be working for the company? It's short-term vision. Not too long. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, but they have short-term vision and it, the cost of that is huge, right? Imagine in California with the t- drive time and the cost of gas and everything, driving out in a week to 10 bogus appointments all over. That's a huge cost. So yeah, it's man. a legitimate concern, right? But if you, qual- if you have the right incentives, if you have a quality person that has long-term vision, which we'll talk about more about that, uh, they're not going to set bogus appointments, right? If quality sure. control in place, all that stuff is not going to be happening. What is going to happen and what is real is that customers themselves, prospects, a lot of times they throw these telemarketers under the bus because they don't like to be cold called. And what do you mean by that? What's an example, David, of uh, okay. being thrown under the bus? Yeah. And so this is uh, super interesting is that we would have, uh, I mean, I would watch like a hawk my people, and I started recording all the calls, walking around, listening all the time, right? I have to do that for quality control. Sure, makes sense. And we started, we squeezed out bogus appointments, but we started having bogus appointments being called in by the, our, our, uh, our clients. They call in and said, this was a bad appointment. The guy said he never set the meeting or he said he got put under pressure. And so I started going back and listening to the audio and I didn't find that at all. So if you record the audio and I'm talking with you and we have a decent conversation, and then I say, Sam, can we come out there next week and talk more about um, the, our, our insurance policy? Or can we talk more about our, our um, IT services or whatever? And, and you're like, yeah, that sounds good. And uh, can we come out there around two? You book the appointment. And then I'd say, so I just want to make sure we got everything correct. We're going to have a salesman come out there for about 30 minutes. They're going to talk to you about what we've discussed today about IT or whatever. And uh, they're not going to try to sell you. It's just a presentation. Are you okay with that? So we'd have all that recorded. Got it. Then they would call back, you know, when the, the day of the appointment, call back and say, that guy canceled. He said he never set the meeting. So what I realized is happening is, is that these people are malicious. Some of these people will maliciously throw the telemarketer under the bus <laughs> by setting a legitimate meeting and then telling the sales rep 
that it, that the guy pushed them, pressured them, or worse, he never agreed to the meeting in the first place. And you okay. have to watch out for that because you have that paranoia already, right? You could end up firing your own reps. And that's what these people want. <laughs> they want that's you to true. end your that's true. Yeah, You've got to be careful as management, haven't you? If, if yeah. that's an issue that comes up, then you've got to be, yeah, you've got to be careful. Okay. But, so I guess there's... Uh, if we have time, I'll, I'll, I'll share how to deal with that. Uh, what do you do if you have run into one of those appointments? On one hand, you know you have confidence in your reps and you know they didn't set a bogus meeting. And this guy's saying that you did. How, you want me to share with you how to deal with yeah, that? Yeah, I think it'd be good to talk about management of staff and dealing with issues like you just mentioned. But I think if first, if we could jump into talking about how to hire the best sales professional, because you mentioned okay. things like looking for longevity and a yeah. long-term sales yeah, we'll rep for your team. That. Yeah, what I, what I realized, Sam, is that uh, you have to, to hire salespeople, you have to have a benchmark. In other words, you have to have an idea of what is a good salesman, right? And so I, I thought, okay, I've, I'm a good salesman. I've been a salesman my entire life. I've had people tell me I'm a natural born salesman. Um, and so I thought about it, thought, what is it? What are the elements that I have that I would say make me a salesman that I could now isolate and then look for in other people? And what I came down to, there's a couple of things. One is persistence. Okay. Uh, persistence, I don't know if you could teach that. Uh, I think a person can do self-development and, and their tools that they could try to develop that. But persistence is, I think, a character that people are born with. Would you agree? Trait, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's difficult to say in, in simple in simple terms. Yeah. I mean, persistence is something that I think if, you, if you've got the passion about what you're doing, then that comes as part, part of the package. So if you're passionate enough about the service or product that you're offering, I think you will be persistent. If you're not, I don't think you, you will. You have to have a burning desire. Like a Think and Grow Rich, he says to develop a white hot burning desire. Yes, okay. but most people don't have that. But that's one element. And the other element basically goes right to that, which is a reader. If you're a reader, you've read uh, Think and Grow Rich. And if you apply what you learn, you've learned how to develop a white hot burning desire, right? Okay. If you're not a reader, then you haven't read Think and Grow Rich. You haven't read How to Win Friends and Influence People and Learn the Power yep. of Complimenting, right? And so what is that trait that you look for? Is you look for a reader of self-development books. And Okay. And do they have the, to be a reader, David, or could they be someone like me? I mean, I, I do read a little bit, but I'll be honest, I'm very, very slow. So I prefer to listen to podcasts and things like that. Well, and that helps me get information in. So is it more that you need to invest in self-development or is it need, that you need to read specifically? Uh, no, it's self-development. In other words, if you're okay. any way you can get educated, it could be podcasts, it could be videos, it could be books, it could be audio yep. books, right? Nice. But basically, it's a thriving, a curious person that's constantly learning uh, and that reading, makes sense. improving themselves. That, that is sense. a true salesman. So that's the core. And ultimately, they, they'll learn those things, but they have to be able to, they have to be teachers, essentially. That's, that's what makes a great salesman. And so what I, what I would do is I would just basically ask people um, to tell me if they've read books, what books they've read. Now, now I would say podcasts, uh, audibles, all that stuff. But I would say, you know, what books have you read? But the most important thing is I would ask them to tell me, what did you learn from the book? And you know what's interesting, uh, Sam, is that the vast majority of the people that I would interview that claim to be salespeople, 
couldn't name one book. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> okay. Not one book. And I would get it down to three or four people that could name three books or more. And then out of those people, I'd only find one or two people that could name and tell me something they learned from the book. Right. It's one thing to read. It's another thing to apply what you learn. And then I would ask those people to tell me how they use that in the sales presentation. And so the other thing I look for to really identify, this is the key. This is really what will distinguish a salesman, right? They'll just shine before you. There's one thing that all salesmen people do besides reading. They tell stories. <laughs> right? yeah. It's like a great fisherman, right? Who's passionate about fishing. If you're around him, what would he start telling you? You'd think a story. <laughs> exactly. The time he caught this big fish or how he found the lure and all the stuff that happened in that big battle with that big fish, you know? So telling stories is powerful and salespeople. Uh, and so I asked them, can you tell me a story of yourself? A sale you lost, a sale you won, something you learned in a sales presentation. Tell me a story. And I don't want them to stop. If they start telling me one story after another, what do we have here? We have a salesperson. <laughs> <laughs> Salespeople read. They are always learning and educating, and they apply what they learn, but they tell sales stories because they have a lot of experience selling. And uh, that's, that's, that's how I hire salespeople now. That's it's the key so ingredients. Easy. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. Okay. So just to revisit those. So it was must invest in self-development, must be able to tell stories. And was there one I missed there, David? Uh, persistence. Persistence, that was it. Because they've got yeah. the burning desire to want to be, be there and they've got to have the So you don't want to hire them. them? You don't want to say you're hired. Uh, you want to make it hard for them and you want them to call back. And the people that call back more than once want the job and they're persistent. Think about it. If you want them to call multiple times on prospects and close deals, they have to call you multiple times. So don't make it easy for them. Make them work for it. And the persistent people will stand out. Fantastic. So that makes it really easy. sound advice. Persistent, you check that box. They read books and they're taking the knowledge and, and uh, they can remember what they've learned and apply it. And they tell sales stories. Hot damn, we got a salesman. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, man. And storytelling is something that, especially to myself, um, it didn't always come that easy. So are there any tips for not just sales guys listening, but anyone in marketing or any business owners listening or tuning in on the best way to weave stories in when you are dealing with prospects, David? Well, that's actually something I'm developing right now. Um, oh, to, right. Become an author, to become an author, I had to learn the power of storytelling. And um, you have to believe it first. And so I started telling stories. Uh, and yeah, it's really hard to find out. You have to ask the hard question of why you're doing it, right? Why? why are you doing this? And in my author class that I did, nobody could even answer a simple question of why, why they wrote the book. It's amazing, right? That is the hardest question to answer. When you can answer that, you're on your path to your story. And it's usually deeper, a deep seated reason why you wrote the story. And that is essentially your story. You want to have essentially a hero's journey story okay. is what stands out, which is what most movies are a hero's journey. Star Wars, all the great movies sure. are a, they're a hero's journey. And so if you can take your story and make it a hero's journey story, um, that, that, that's the way to do it. But anything that's real and authentic, if your story is, is you, cause it's interesting. I, cause I went bankrupt, uh, after oh, this really? company. Yeah, I went bankrupt 
And uh, that's I had to bring myself out of bankruptcy. And I, I learned that you really do learn more from failure. I told people that all the time we hear it, but a lot of us don't really believe it. But you do learn more from failure. Uh, you have to fail and you can't grow to your biggest, you can't grow to your biggest potential without failing. You've got why to do you think that is? And fail often because you learn more in failure. Uh, because okay. I taught my son chess and he became a chess champion. And that's something he, he, awesome. I taught him it's better to learn and failure. You'll learn. I told him that, I, although I didn't really believe it until I went bankrupt and experienced failure myself, but you learn from failure. But, uh, I'm trying to think, what, we, what was the question you asked me? So we, we've just covered recruiting the best sales reps for your team. Yes. And then we covered, we just um, talked about, you went bankrupt and kind of learning from failure. So, I mean, moving forwards, David, we've covered a lot of ground in terms of how you built up your company in terms of the telemarketing side, how to recruit the best staff. It would be good as we're getting towards the, the end of things, as on this show, we like to take the angle of how digital marketing has helped you along the way. So are there any digital marketing channels that you've tapped into over the years, David, that have helped you grow your business? Well, so I think far? That we, could, we could dial back because you wanted me to bring out about what is the challenge with salespeople? Why is it so hard? Oh, sure. Yeah, we can put, we can go on that quick. Yeah, real quick. Um, what I realized, one of the biggest challenges of my cold calling company, um, and one of the hardest things is that you can set more appointments, but there were people that don't know they have a need. Um, they have a need, they just don't know it. And I, I you know, from my other interview I did recently, it's uh, the, in the power of habit, he talks about a story for Breeze and basically <clears throat> they couldn't sell their product because they sold it to get out of, get rid of odors. And people didn't know they had odors in their home. They can't smell their odors. It's an odd thing because they get used to them. Ah, I see. You get used to the own scent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And so that's the thing is that people, when you're trying to sell, there are very few people that really are aware of their own problems because they get used to the way they do business. They get used to a slow, efficient process, right? So true, man. Yeah. And so... That's the challenge in sales. And, and what I discovered is I could set far more appointments with a different approach in my book by, by going in the right way and not, not being hardcore, not getting the person to tell me they have a problem, but just selling it based on information and learning and okay. educating people and showing them a better way is how they can see that they had a problem. They become self-aware. You know, like if, if I have 14-4 dial-up and I think that's the greatest in the world and then somebody comes and shows me broadband, <laughs> Am I going to be happy with dial-up anymore? No. Certainly not. Yeah. Okay. So there's thousands of people out there who don't know that dial-up, you know, was a problem, uh, even though broadband was out there. And so that's, those are prospects that you can set appointments with, but they're not people that have a need or they know they have a need. Most salespeople, and this is, we can get right to the nitty gritty. Most, I found most salespeople sell to referrals. And they right, think they're- okay. And what do you mean by that? Uh, they're the easy referrals, maybe from SEO or customers refer them. And so that's sell inbound, they, inbound yeah. leads kind of thing. Okay. Yeah. And so they think they're great salespeople, right? But you send them on a few cold call leads and they fail because they don't know how to truly sell. Selling to somebody who already has a need is what I call order taking. Order <laughs> takers are not salespeople. A salesman knows how to create a need, Right like showing somebody an example and then they suddenly see that what they have is slow. You create a need. And that's what I found. That was my challenge with my cold calling company. And uh, I've, I've realized that salespeople don't know how to sell. 
that's why I put my system together and my new book that I'm writing now actually gets into selling and how to sell. It'll be out in a couple of months, but that's the awesome. challenge is that's why there's so few, it's rare to find a good salesman. Yeah. Yeah. I completely agree. I mean, there's so people, so many people now that are scared to get on the phone and um, be it. I mean, everyone can take an inbound lead. That's for sure. But be it even, even cooling. I mean, it's, it's hard, getting harder and harder to get reps on the phone. And I'm, I'm sure you'll find that David, maybe not with your organization as you're into the appointment setting game, but it just seems to be the, the trend things are going, especially with as many digital platforms that they are with LinkedIn and so on and so forth is it's tricky. So I agree that's a real skill. Yeah. Where, where people can actually identify a problem or bring up common problems and then present that to the, to your prospect in a way that this yeah. is how and I can make your life better. And that's what I found is cause I started an SEO company. Okay. Um, and what I found is that there's really a place in your marketing, depending on the resources you have for every aspect of marketing, you should have uh, digital marketing. You should have SEO uh, pay-per-click maybe, uh, but you should have cold calling. And, and uh, you should be marketing on social media. Um, you should be doing print. And actually my new book that I'm coming out with kind of takes all those things together and shows you how you can really leverage them all together to have a constant okay. concept. But uh, that's what, one of my big lessons is. So I mastered SEO. Um, I mastered, so well, I'm getting, I say master, but I'm getting better at social media. Uh, so I'm learning all these things and I'll have tips for, for how to do all that stuff in the future. Awesome. A lot of people want to pick you know, let's do this, let's do that. Just to give you an example though, cold calling can deliver leads faster, quicker, and you can get more leads. Uh, SEO takes longer to get top ranked several, you know, if you start it now, it takes three to four months to get top ranked. Uh, and you can, you get, you could get three to four or five, maybe even up to 10 leads a month, how good you are, but they'll be higher qualified. But you, you taught that it'll take longer, that ramp up cycle versus cold calling. You could get started and within a month you could have 20 or 30 appointments uh, on that video and my, my, and the, the website we're going to give them milliondollarrobuttal.com uh, backslash free hyphen book. There's a video of me coaching somebody who set 20 appointments in one day. Wow. That's so, amazing, dude. Okay. So are you saying that business should utilize an omni channel approach, David? Are you saying that people should look at all ends of marketing, be it outbound, so cold calling, maybe using email, using LinkedIn, social, using SEO, so search engine optimization to get organic inbound leads and maybe paid ads as well. So hitting all channels and perhaps video in the mix as well. They all have their place. They all have their place and they can all work together if you have a co cohesive system uh, to work together. But they definitely should be coached on it. Um, okay. Because that, that's the last lesson. I don't know how much time to have. My, my biggest lesson is uh, don't waste. I've become an expert in things, uh, but that's because I wasted time trying to learn it buying some different systems, experimenting and failure. Uh, but there are people out there who know like cold calling. I'm an expert on it. You could coach, you could hire me as a coach to read my book. You could short, uh, short cycle, shortcut the years, the 20 years or more investment I have and get there faster. Uh, social media, LinkedIn, don't, you know, spend the money to have a, a coach that you believe in. Co I mean, you agree with that, right? Yeah. I mean, in terms of, um, in terms of anything, really, if you don't know it, there's the chances are you can hire someone a lot better than you to either tell you how it's done or do it for you. We're, we're both in the SEO game, so I, I certainly can't do SEO myself. There's a heck of a lot to it in terms of all the things you've got to do on your website, off of your website, content creation. That's why we have an expert team that do it for our clients, and I simply am the client liaison. I keep them updated. I know the basics, 
but I leave it to the techies. I'm not a techie. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, it's exactly like, right. You have to be careful, though, because you mentioned SEO. How many SEO experts are there in the world? <laughs> Don't even get me started, dude. Expert. Too many. So I don't, I don't call myself an expert at anything, really. I call myself more of a dabbler. I've been doing digital yeah. marketing for maybe 10 years, and uh, I'm still by no means an expert. But um, no, well, I know with, what you're saying. Well, you're always learning because the game's changing exactly. all the time. Yeah, it's exactly. changing. But, for, but there's only one out of a 1,000 that actually knows what they're doing. That's the problem. And so you have to know how to get to um, somebody. that. And the best way to find an expert is they can show you the results. Uh, you know, show you a whole list of companies that are top ranked that are converting. That's the key. Cause now, as you probably know, getting top ranked is one thing. Converting is a whole nother animal. And if you let exactly. you can do both, you can't monetize uh, SEO. So true. That's a really good point, David. I'm glad you brought it up. That, um, yeah. It's all good and well marketing a website, be it via SEO, getting the organic positions, getting the traffic to your website. But unless that traffic converts into a lead, so someone giving you a call, filling out a form, downloading a white paper or filling out or emailing you it's worthless exactly <laughs> so that's that's a really really good point awesome dude and, and it's and great it gets to harder hear. and harder you know you really got to keep changing that's the thing i think people when they pay seo people or they try to do it themselves they don't understand that it's a constantly changing game if you don't understand that you're going to get left in the dust and uh, probably should not be in doing should not do seo just stick with cold calling Awesome. No, that's it. And it's refreshing to hear that you're, you're taking up digital as well as offline um, strategies to, to generate business. So that's, that's fantastic. Awesome, David. So in, on, that, on that note, um, just before we wrap things up, are there any specific habits that, people, that you believe people should be following in order to be successful? Uh, well, just having habits. I mean, that's the key. <laughs> you have to realize... Um, I, I throw a shout out to Jeremy McGillery, his new book, CEO. Um, and there's several other books, the power of habit, but that new book is more exhaustive on anything is how to develop habits, the power of habit, the knowing, and I have a masterclass on my ClickFunnels account. People can get free with me cool. and Jeremy McGillery talking about the subconscious mind and the Brazil ganglia and how that you have a separate processing unit for habits in your brain and the power of tapping into that and, and, and uh, it's in my book too. My book talks about the power of the subconscious mind as well, because I tapped into my subconscious mind to set 15 appointments a day, every day for six months, 1800 appointments. And so you can't be truly outstanding or phenomenal at anything. And I assume that if you're in this game to win, you want to be the best. Anybody listening to the, to the radio today, whatever, if they're salespeople and whatever they're selling, they want to be the best. They have to tap into their subconscious mind. Uh, and I would say pick up one of those books. And it is the power. It's making those things habits to where you don't consciously think about them anymore. Uh, if you're consciously thinking about even your golf swing. I don't, I don't know if you play golf, Sam. Well, I've not, not tried it much, to be honest. I've, I've tried it a couple of times and I was terrible. Are you a player yourself? Yeah, yeah. I play golf for about six years now. Okay. But uh, you can have a great golf game and then follow up with a horrible golf game and a great one and a terrible one. And it's all in your mind. You know, if you're gotcha. trying to consciously think, think about your golf swing, you're not going to do it. It's until you've made it a habit and you go out there and don't think about it. Some of the best got to be natural. Swings okay. I've ever had. I didn't even think about the swing. I was distracted, right, by something and just went out there without even thinking, hit it and hit it the furthest and the straightest I've ever done. But it's having the the confidence to rely on your subconscious mind and not to 
conscious thinking. That's one of the big lessons in sales is to develop sales habits, a lot of them in my book, uh, and then rely on those and don't consciously think about doing it. Love that. Love that. Awesome. All right, David, something I like to ask everyone that comes on the show just before we end is if you could thank just one per- person, either dead or alive, for having a positive influence on your life and your career, who would that be and why? Uh, right now, I would have to say uh, there's lots of books I've read, but the one person that I've got to know recently is Jeremy McGillery. Uh, he lives here in San Antonio. He's author of uh, the uh, Instagram Secrets, which is, has sold millions and millions of copies. Nice. Um, and he, I've gotten to know him and he's, he's kind of personally coaching me. And so I would say he's had more effect in getting me where I'm at now, uh, getting my book out there, uh, my click, new click funnels and everything, uh, him more than anything. Fantastic, man. Appreciate it. Awesome. So hope everyone, you've been listening. Uh, I hope you get, get, get him on your show. <laughs> yeah, no, we'll have, to, we'll have to talk about that in a bit. Perhaps you can hook us up and we'll, uh, we'll get him on. Why not? Awesome. Yeah. You've been tuning in to Sam's Business Growth Show, where we sit down with business leaders, experts, and entrepreneurs from across the globe. We find out their story, how digital marketing has helped them along the way, and their exclusive tips and insights to help you skyrocket your own business. Um, David, really appreciate your time. Just before we wrap things up, how can people connect with you? Tell us a bit more about your business and the best way people can get in touch. Yeah, the best way to get in touch with me is on LinkedIn. Um, and I have my phone number, my cell number's on my LinkedIn profile. Uh, I have a link to my ClickFunnels, the milliondollarrebuttal.com uh, backslash free hyphen book. It takes you to my ClickFunnel page where you can get a free book. You can get my ebook. You can get that masterclass with Jeremy McGillery about the subconscious mind. Um, but you can go on Amazon if you just want to buy the book. Uh, Amazon, I have the book on Audible, uh, iTunes. Uh, so you can go there, get it. Uh, but connecting with me on LinkedIn, follow me on LinkedIn. And uh, I do a lot of posting. That's how I connected with Sam. That's it. LinkedIn. So thank awesome, you, man. man. It was an honor being on the show. Really appreciate it. The show is sponsored by webchoiceuk.com, helping businesses skyrocket leads, sales, and brands positioning with digital marketing, SEO, conversion-focused web design, and mobile apps. That's webchoiceuk.com. Thank you so much, David. Subscribe today for more digital marketing, sales, and business growth tips from the experts.